Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by VitaCup. Infused with essential vitamins and superfoods to power your body and mind, VitaCup gourmet coffees and teas are a reimagining of your daily rituals. Each blend is dietitian formulated with ingredients to boost energy, metabolism, mood, and more. And because VitaCup has a taste-first approach, each blend tastes delicious, even better than your normal coffee and tea. I have been dabbling a little bit with the VitaCup Genius Blend coffee. Am I smarter? Kaya, would you say that I seem sharper over the last couple of weeks? Absolutely. See, that's like, a, that's firsthand account. Actually, it's a great tasting coffee and it's, you definitely feel like, okay, everything, the, the cobwebs are moving away and I'm ready to get, get into my day. Use code WATCH at VitaCup.com to save 30% off your first order or find VitaCup at Target, Walmart, and Sprouts. Hello, guys. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Watch. A special, special episode today. I am now back in LA recording this part, but I just got off a plane from Albuquerque. I went for a whirlwind 24-hour visit to see Andy down on the set of Briar Patch, where he is shooting in New Mexico. It was so, so, so much fun. Shout out to everybody down there, especially Layla, who made me feel so at home. It was just a, a great experience. And we got to record a podcast on the set. It was mostly shot on the soundstage yesterday. They do, you know, interior and exterior stuff all over Albuquerque. But we were mostly on a soundstage and we got a chance to record a podcast in Andy's office. And we were joined by none other than J.R. Ferguson, who you probably, if you're listening to this podcast, know from Mad Men, where he played Stan, uh, a character who wound up coupling up with Elizabeth Moss's Peggy at the end of the of this series. But he's had a, like a long career in Hollywood and is the is one of the leads of Briar Patch along with Rosario Dawson. He's also a huge Dallas Cowboys fan which sort of initially sparked some some playful animosity like when Jay joined us when Kim Dickens also came on about a week ago. But I was so excited to get to hang out with Andy and Jay. They had a great chemistry. I could see Jay replacing me at some point. But it was just a really cool experience to talk to Jay about Andy as as this writer and, and showrunner now and, and talk to Andy about Jay as an actor who's bringing a lot of his work to life and just talk about what it's like to just kind of be in the summer camp atmosphere of making a television show over the last few months. And you could tell it was really tight-knit set. It was They were really, really excited about what they were making on a daily basis. And it was a real privilege to be able to see everybody uh, everybody there working at the top of their game and making something really cool. So without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Andy Greenwald and Jay Ferguson from the Briar Patch set. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am the editor at TheRinger.com and joining me live in his own office is Andy Greenwald. We're down in New Mexico. And the clapping you hear. A live studio audience. Cats here, we got Jay Ferguson here. We Hello. promised you that we would have some members of the Briar Patch cast. Yeah, we have Jay Ferguson, we have Cat Colbert back here. What's up? Sitting in. He's, he's, he's our audience, our side man, another member of the cast here. So, We're Andy, so you want me to just to have. run through some pop culture headlines? You want to talk about Apple Plus's price point? Yeah, I you do. Know? <laughs> I do. Let's, I'm the new 11 debuted today, I believe. Yeah, yeah with is, three cameras. There's apparently a phobia that people have of like the three camera lenses. This is the internet's leading tech And it's podcast. like freaking people out. Like there's like a diagnosed thing where it's like if you see three little circles, it trips something in your mind. I don't, I'm seriously not mocking this. It's apparently, it was a, like they instantly think of it like a giant tarantula or something I is guess, attacking yeah, them. Or it just like triggers something and wow, they're just like wow. freaking out. This is great. So this podcast is going to be, you came here to tell us about <laughs> what's going on in the world. Isn't that what we've been doing for the last six months while you've been working on Briar Patch? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's true. And what was it like before then? <laughs> he was so informed. This was his world. Yeah, was man. Dialed in. He was watching yeah. tons of shows. Yeah. He was always forming opinions. He was, but when thoughts. we were at Grantland, a lot of takes. and he was writing twice a week. At least. At least three times a week, usually. Yeah, and then we would do the podcast twice a week. Wow. And we would talk about a show on Monday and a show on Thursday. Have now guests. you're writing 10 times a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's writing constantly. How about that? I've been on and the set all day. Yeah, it's what time? It's like 8.40 p.m. here. Yeah, I We're still on. shooting out on the stages, and yet we're, we've retired. Yeah. Pat here. and I just got off a plane. I will tell you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to your audience now. That's good. This is what they do, ladies and gentlemen. They, <laughs> they tease you and entice you. With invitations of coming on their podcast, yep. of talking about things such as 
the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. We will get to the NFC East. You know, they tease you with all of these things. And then uh, one, myself, becomes really excited about the promise of being on said podcast <laughs> and and increasingly every day asks it's true in fact uh when are we gonna do said podcast yeah, I, and i'm told oh it's coming it's coming y- you actually would approach me often that's correct. on set and say and i quote when is your boy coming with the podcast yeah <laughs> which and he I, did in yeah, a plastic I actually case. do have a suitcase full of podcasts unfortunately basically. ladies and gentlemen what you're getting right now is about 60 percent. if i'm being honest maybe 65 wow. making a Apologies before uh, the, the your game. Boy, like your boy Dallas is Cowboy a little fan. under the weather. Your boy just got off an airplane. But this is what they do, ladies and gentlemen. They wait until you are not 100 per, and then they make it happen. Is, so, boys, let's go. This is kickoff at Lincoln we Financial We learned it from Field. Merit. You get people real tender, and then you strike. The soft belly is exposed. That's, that's when we. get them. That's when we... Yeah. Uh, well, we we appreciate s- you guys coming in straight from the airport. Neither mm-hmm. of you guys are working today. Mm-hmm. We did have a slight moment of fright on the plane. Kat said, no, I think we're shooting a scene tonight. And I brought up the, I brought up the schedule, and he actually convinced me that we were shooting. And I said, that's just not possible. They wouldn't have let you fly in. And, uh, and then, of course, no, we, we, we came to our senses and realized that was not the case. I can't believe you guys didn't have anything else to do in Albuquerque tonight. <laughs> the night's young. It's true. Young. That's right. We, there is talk of a casino. So, Chris, yeah. if I could turn the tables on you, here you are. In the high desert. Oh, great. Are you going to host this one? Because that's such a relief for me. I just want to know how your day's been so far. Because we've been together for hours, but I feel like we haven't checked in. So uh, I definitely felt like I was going to die on the flight in. I had terrible turbulence coming in. And I I actually went through this whole process of trying to choose which podcast (laughs) I would be listening to upon death. (laughs) And I was like, do I want to be listening to Bill... Do I want it's to a little obsequious. You shouldn't be listening to a friend or your boss. You should, should I be listening? Should I be like? And then I was like, "Shit! Should I be recording my last will and testament, uploading it to the cloud?" You should have been listening to and the audio book of Gravity's Rainbow. Airplane mode, though. Well, I think you could do the voice memo and just oh, hope, okay. I just hope that it makes it through. Right. They're doing great things with these. Phones do you have now. a black box three, recorder? Three cameras. Yeah. Um, so I will never make fun of Andy's fear of flying again. I'm not f- That's afraid cool. of flying, but I do think that it was in jeopardy. But the whole day has been incredible. It's been an incredible education. I d- I've been on a couple of sets, but never with the intimacy of this one. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to Albuquerque? Briefly. as like on my way to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like my, my opinion of Albuquerque precedes me a little bit. I've been a little bit critical about it on this podcast. It's gotten around. Great city. Great town. <laughs> yeah. It's Great a hell of a town. town. Uh, you know, do you guys like Albuquerque? I love it. I, I lived here before. G- before we did this show, I lived here about uh, t- 10, 11 years ago. And, For another and we show? Enjoyed it. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another show. What was it? And uh, it was a show called Easy Money, and it was a very short-lived show, but uh, incredible opportunity at the time in my life. Our, ki- our first child had just been born. We were completely broke. You know, it was really a gift from the heavens and came out here, ended up meeting people that would go on to become some of our closest friends and had never really spent time in Albuquerque. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, I was pretty excited to come back and now we've got three kids and they all got to come out here and spend the summer. And he, he is a big booster. And I'll say this, when we first met, you were saying you were excited about coming down here and you told me about some spots and, and got the vibes going in a positive direction. You know, I gotta say, I think that there's something to it where depending on where you were, you grew up, right? So if you, me and Andy from the Northeast, you're from Texas, you're from California originally, Kat? from Chicago. Born in Chicago. And Kat likes Albuquerque, so this is not a full through. It's not a perfect theory. But I think that your, like, regional orientation changes a little bit. Because it's like, I know people who think Baltimore is, you know, terrible. The president. The president. I was going to say that. And then, like, Boston. Or people don't like Boston. Right. Or people don't like D.C. But I love those cities. Because I'm from the Northeast. It and feels they remind familiar. me It's familiar. So is this familiar for you for, as a Texan? Yeah, I think that that is definitely part of it. It, it starts to geographically kind of feed into that sense of home that I have. Yeah. And then also the people, you know, there's a lot of cowboy fans out here. It's and, so gross. And, uh, you know, God love them. I mean, they've, they're America's I mean, team. So it's like, what are you going to do? But I mean, that the, as far as proximity is concerned, that, that should be the team that they're pulling for. We, that are the Cardinals. I we guess. aren't going to do this yet, but I will just say that all before the pilot, during the pilot chase, like there's this great brunch spot. It's my favorite spot. You got to come with, you got to come with. So at a certain point, we've had a free weekend. We were, we were all here during the pilot. 
Jay generously says, let's go. We're going to go do this. And he, he grabs me and he grabs Eddie Cathegi, who's also in our cast. Mm-hmm. And we go out to brunch and we walk into this place, a beautiful place, El Pinto. Mm-hmm. Jay says, table for four. <laughs> like Eddie and I trade looks. There's only three of us. So they lead us out to the courtyard, beautiful table for four. Eddie sits down. Jay sits down. I sit down. The fourth spot is for his tough book that he opens up to Red Zone. Oh, my God. <laughs> If I'm if I'm not mistaken, it was the first Sunday of NFL it, football. Wait, can we it, stop? It was. You had like a like the zero dark thirty like tough la- tough book. In laptop. my mind, that's what yeah. it was. Well, and, yeah. and then he ordered. They said, "Can we bring you the complimentary mimosas?" And he's just like, "That's a rookie move, bro. Like, just keep the orange juice. Yeah. Bring the bottle. <laughs> you bring the bottle, and you get a side of OJ. And then, right? just so you know, though, like we are out in this patio. People are having very different experiences. They may may or may not be watching the games or, or as intimately as we are. There were one or two people in plus size Witten jerseys or whatever. Jay, as the man of the people that he is, dove into the crowd of diners, greeted each one of them Mm -hmm. with a very convivial, how about them boys? (laughs) And I do feel like it was a setup. It wasn't as vicious as the time you came to the ADR session wearing a Cowboys Snuggie. No, that was intentional. That was no, the thing at the, the the thing at the restaurant was you know just purely the the, the situation at the time. Uh, <laughs> the facts on the ground that just happens to always be the situation anywhere you go in America when you're a fan of America's team. This is gross. But I digress, <laughs> guys. Guys, I digress. <laughs> Let's. Uh, Let me just ask you this. Yeah. I want to just. I want to. I want to just go somewhere with this real you, quick. You were going to say see. some nice things about us. I, I, I don't even. We haven't even gotten to know each other this well yet. But how, do are we weed smokers? We don't. Do we know talk each- about our weed I don't smoking on this smoke podcast. Weed. Yeah, I don't. I don't actually. I don't do and it. You're not a big weed smoker. No, but it's it's pretty legal. So we it can is just pretty talk legal. About it. Yeah. Well, I was going to try and like create a, a type <laughs> a of situation here. It ain't going to happen. So what I will tell you is that Kat and I yeah. do not smoke weed. No, no I know good. that. It's, and you got to say no. You got to right. I think that you guys. That's right. As in Dave Chappelle in his new special, he just says, he says, just say no, right? What's so hard about that? What I always have said about you two guys is that you're role models. Yeah. For us as podcasters and for the children. Try to be. We both have children. Yeah. This is a kid-friendly podcast. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's been, it's been an amazing, was that really like your, you were like, I really want to get into some interesting stuff. It was just going to be the weed. Yeah, for for a moment, (laughs) uh, there was going to be something I was going to propose, but it, you know, it's, 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 I don't think it's going to happen guys. I really don't. No, I think that's fair. I think it's for the best. Um, but anyway, being on the set today has been a real eye-opening education. It's been fascinating to watch all the different stuff that goes in to just like even the smallest, smallest scenes. The littlest things where you're like, we have to get this. We have to get this kind of coverage. We were shooting, uh, and we can't give too much away, but we were shooting a scene with the fabulous Alan Cumming and a few other terrific actors, but I won't name them because I don't want to spoil the the characters. Yeah, here on stage. And uh, we were on the scene for like four hours. Like we did a lot of interesting coverage, a lot of cool stuff. And then I really wanted to dazzle my buddy. So I took him to a pre-production concept meeting in the lunchbox for an hour and 15 minutes. Did you cut the air at a certain point? Yeah. Was that like a like a power move? Was that yeah. like you going Fincher? Yeah. Uh, I was uh, like, I want to see you guys sweat. I want to sweat him out. The meeting was going on too long. Yeah, no, I was going to actually ask if there was a bit of a sadist. Uh, of having it in there. there. It was yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> it was very cold. But, but, you know, Chris got to see firsthand just like the minutiae. Of like what background, how many background people do we need in scene 14B? You got to see exactly how exciting his yeah. job is on a daily basis, he, well, right? I, think, yeah. I think he got to see was when they all are talking about it and then all 22 heads turn to me and I'm like, oh, yeah. No, yes, definitely. <laughs> no, but definitely. This is, I want to ask. Because Jay knows, Jay can speak firsthand that I, you know, tough but fair mm-hmm. is how I run the show. Yeah. Oh, man. There is, Iron Fist there's stuff is like the with nickname like, that a lot of the crew have given him. Can I say that there's stuff with time shifting? Not like time travel, but like there's... <laughs> Jay's character becomes unstuck in time, <laughs> yeah. like Desmond in the Unlost. No, but you know, and you're answering questions about stuff like what it would be like in present, what it would be like in the past, or day and night. Sure. But the thing that's fascinating is that, so he and I have been talking for eight years, almost eight years on this podcast. Yes, about that's amazing. The, the mechanics of storytelling, the mechanics of television, and like the overall yeah. trends that we see. And then you get an experience like this. And just even in one day, I can see any show and any episode is just an accumulation accumulation of these little decisions, mm-hmm. right? Like these little, little things where it's like, do you want me to go over here? Like, do you want me to gesture this way? Do you want me mm-hmm. to step back or step forward? And then 
all the little things that you guys are deciding in this like tin box in the middle of the desert. Should we hang this here? Are we going to bring this back? What's the intention? But I think that I've definitely, I, I thought this a lot. We used to talk about this. I used to write this in criticism pieces, but I think the best shows have a consistency of vision in the decision-making and there's mm-hmm. no decision that's too small. You know, someone whose style you compare me to often, Jay, Matt Weiner, famously would like every ashtray, right, had to be exactly right, mm-hmm. every detail. And that's what made that show the masterpiece. Well, what I will say about our our dear friend here, uh, Mr. A.G., is it is very reminiscent of that. And what I love is a vision that starts, and if you think about it like a pyramid, and I'm going to blow our boy up real big right now. I mean, <laughs> Before he rips my not, soul out. <laughs> I'm not so sure his head's going to fit through the door after this, but... What I will tell you is it's kind of visually like a pyramid and you've got the idea at the top, right? And all of the facilitators of that idea lie below and they are equally, and I know that Andy will back this up, as important to the idea coming to fruition. And so everybody is a cog in the wheel. Everybody has got to work in unison, if one cog breaks down, the machine breaks down, yada, yada, yada. But the idea has got to start somewhere. And it starts at the top, and it trickles down. And it is so fun to watch AG's evolution yeah. and progression into this spot that he holds now. And embracing it and excelling at it, really. And, uh, and Tyrannical, and emotionally distant. He, <laughs> Withholding. That's season it's amazing two. Amazing when you two. yell at people loud enough. <laughs> what you get? Uh, what it, what they will do it, for you? But it, it is. I'm going to interrupt the compliment because I go can't ahead. stand it. I know, I know it's coming at the end the of it. Thing. But that is the beauty of it. And you got and Chris got to see it today, which is that we have so many people here who are so good at their jobs, and their jobs are things that I don't even understand how they do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was joking with our ACAM operator Matt today, and I pointed to the camera and I said, "I'm sorry, what's that again?" <laughs> but that's really not too far off from the mm-hmm. truth. But getting everyone who's so incredible at their task to buy into the larger thing is the hardest part and the biggest challenge and the biggest responsibility. And I don't take it lightly and I appreciate it. But I also love memories now. We're we're almost done. We started shooting the pilot a year ago. We're almost done with the season. We have two and a half weeks left. Just how much of the pilot was UJ and Rosario and Brian Garrity elbowing each other and giggling and pointing at me as baby took his first steps. (laughs) Because... Because you knew, especially you, because you'd been on a series for a long time. So yeah. you knew all the things that were about to crush me. <laughs> well, well, crush you and lift you up True. also. Yes. And new positions that you maybe had never considered yourself being eligible for, that you were very eligible for, that you were forced to take. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that can be really a, a tough adjustment for people. You know, it can be. Yeah. How has this changed? And we haven't really talked about this explicitly, but how has this changed the way Explicit. you... I know you don't watch TV anymore, but if you did... <laughs> not a fan. How what would it I change say? the way you've been watching it? This same thing goes for you. Like, as somebody who makes it, as somebody who's on it, like, when you watch Mindhunter, or when you watch Game of Thrones, or when you watch anything you watch, like, how much of it is, I can just enjoy this as something that's on my screen, and how much of it is like, fuck, I bet that was really tough, what they just pulled off there. That is a piece of it now, understanding, I think, just the, the difficulty that goes into, oh, they're driving, oh, they're filming this at, you know, at magic hour or at dusk, like, all the headaches that went into couple, things like couple that. Couple mentions of magic hour, no spoilers. It's uh, Magic yeah, I, hour I, may appear in Briar Patch. I like to tease one of our first ADs, Bob, that I'm writing a new scene, which is a dinner party of children <laughs> at midnight. which is like the combination of impossible things to do. But I think it's along those same lines. It's the idea that there are no easy shots. There are no throwaway moments. That every single moment in a scene is the culmination of all those people working. Right. And was multiple takes and multiple, you know, uh, different coverage. And then it was scored. Then it was edited. And every every second of every frame is a decision. And actually quite a number of decisions. So... I think it would be very hard to go back to being just a casual watcher or critic. That's great news for the pod. So, <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> so this is why I'm announcing. No, but to be to, to be a critic in the you way because you try to find deep for the thing just is, is that a moment. He does do it, and then really like what because like what's interesting is now that you won't have a ton of time. Yeah, you save your time for the stuff that's like purely enjoyable. Like you'll go watch. 
it's true. Spider-Man or you'll go watch Avengers or you'll or, go or Succession which sure. is which I can watch both to be impressed by or that it's just I find it like it's joyful like right. I just love it but yeah I think that I don't know it's a big I mean you've been on you've been on all sorts of, on a yeah, bunch I, of shows well, yeah it's an easy answer for me I mean I just completely disassociate myself when I watch the stuff so you don't even I, think about like whatever process everybody else is going through I I, I mean I certainly appreciate great performances with actors and usually those performances or that the appreciation for those performances is coupled with my acknowledgement that I am completely incapable of producing (laughs) such a performance and therefore having another reason to kind of, you know, kick myself down a couple notches. Can you think of an example of a performance like that where you're like, I couldn't do that. Like you're watching it and you're just like, and don't like, not like my left foot, but like, Something where you're just like, oh, Christ, like that guy just, or, or that one really just pulled something off there. I'll tell you, uh, this is a weird uh, choice, but it's funny because actually Rosario and I were talking about it the other day, and we both have an appreciation for this performance, and it just popped into my head when you said that. But <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio as the alien in Men in Black. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Now... <laughs> Now this guy, right? Great answer. I mean, I he's this. got he's got a fucking laundry list. Are we allowed to cuss on this? Yes, podcast? absolutely. He's got a laundry list of great characters that he's played. Yeah. Right, Full Metal Jacket. I mean, et it, yeah. yeah, of course. And you could uh, those would yeah. be the normal go tos, I think. But for me, at least as I've gotten older, what I've come to appreciate more are not just the actors that when the camera is here just up in their faces, they say the words really awesome, but it's when their whole body is exposed and they're using their entire body because a a great, who I consider to be my Yoda, this guy's name is Gulu. He's this wonderful director from Brazil taught me a long time ago that the, the actor's body is his greatest tool. And that so often in film acting, that tool is abandoned yeah. for the sake of, of the close-up, you know? And so what I really have come to appreciate is uh, full body acting, you know, where it's not just the voice that's acting. Yeah. It's the fingertips, it's the toes, it's the knees, it's the neck, it's the everything. Yeah. I was going to say that also that was, it's been fun. I mean, I've learned so much more about acting from working with so many great actors all of whom declined to appear on this podcast, but, 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 but Jay's here. So we could talk about it. But it was, for example, like we had a great time making the pilot and everybody got along wonderfully. And then when word started to trickle out that, that Alan, who I'm just thinking of because he was working today, was joining the cast, everyone got a little excited. And it was kind of cool to think of it that way because everyone was excited. Am I going to get a scene with him? It kind of raised everybody's game in a way because, you know, when you there's someone that, you guys admire i can just speak to i mean because you this, we well, had this conversation many times over yeah. after alan too yeah that's as, right as we kept having these wonderful actors come on board i mean i guess it's phrase it more as a question so like you were excited is it a challenge is it sort of a spark is it the opportunity to learn i think that if i were my younger self i would have said it's the opportunity to challenge but as my older self i would say it's uh, the ability to learn. Do you remember when that changed? Mid June two of Friar Fest. It was actually three hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would say uh, Kat and I were actually talking a little bit about this on the plane out here. Uh, probably when I started to have a family. Yeah. That's a. I mean, that's a pretty common. Like, I think that's a pretty common turning point in like any profession in anybody's life. Mm-hmm. Is that? That just changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. As a childless man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm still going for it, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're still just going up to the I'm biggest just, podcaster just, in the yard and punching him in the nose. I just have the need for speed. Still, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. You live your life, bro. It's okay. It's really okay. <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about the material without getting too into the plot? Yeah. Okay. Um, there are reviews out there now. Where, uh, no, you know, I know. And you, the one and two got reviewed in, in a variety of trades. places because yeah. it was it premiered at Toronto. But, Jay, have you done something like this before? Like a noir like this? No way. 
this is a breaking of ground in, in many different respects for me. And that is because I feel like most of my time in this business has been spent playing characters that in some way or another, whether directly, specifically, or loosely are connected to me in some personal way. You know, there's some personal experience that I can lend to that character's experience. And this is the first time that I've played a character where I genuinely can say that like, there's really nothing on a personal level outside of maybe tiny little things that I could relate to. And so it was uh, very scary and is still scary (laughs) on a daily uh, basis. You know, I have leaned on Andy constantly because I've needed some sort of barometer to, you know, make sure that we're not going too far into the land of cartoonish, but it's such a broad borderline farcical character Mm -hmm. that, that it's a fine line to walk. And, and so it's been very terrifying and, you know, it's been interesting. Again, something Kat and I were discussing earlier, which is the, you know, we were just talking about how like you hear a lot as an actor about older people you might respect that talk about how they always tried to do what they were most afraid of and what's, you know, what they were most intimidated by. And I don't know that I've ever taken that leap before this. And, and I don't know that I could ever say genuinely that, that I had really crossed over that line before where (laughs) every day when I'm going home, I have, no idea. Really? If it was. That's funny because when you told me that he was going to play Jake, I was like, hell yeah. I mean, this part, Jake Spivey is a uh, former military guy, military intelligence, was the poorest kid in town, has come back as the richest person in town, a raconteur, a very, very glib person, I would say. Broad, broad strokes sometimes, but deep emotions running underneath it all. And you're, I mean, you're brilliant in this role and it's really true. And we know you're acting because you and Kat have to play people who loathe each other, which is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. And that's not true. That's Kat not and I, ladies and gentlemen, by the way, my friend Kat here uh, and, and I have known each other since we were in high school, best friends since high school, have never worked together professionally. And then serendipitously, Kat was cast as one of my adversaries. It, it, which was amazing because we were sitting in the house that doubles as Jake's house. And I was had just said, like, I don't like these choices. Please, casting agent in L.A., please give me someone better for this part. And uh, I was looking through people, and I was like, this is the guy. And I had it open on my computer when I hear a familiar voice looming behind me. And you're like, why is my buddy on your computer screen? And we'd already chosen him. It was incredible. Like, that, uh, there's been a lot of that in this whole production yeah. in a really wonderful way. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I think it's actually it's great for people to hear, even if it's tough for you to live, because... I mean, you're amazing in this part. Let and me it's just, a pleasure to work l- with let you. Let me just say, but, let me. I want to make one thing clear right now. There is nothing tough about living the life I am living. <laughs> Fair, okay. I, I want to make that, that you clear make that clear to, to this everyone. audience. But I mean, just internally, not being sure. Like you're out on a limb. It's not yeah. tough. It's a good life, and yes. you're and you're having fun every day. But the fact that on the outside, you inhabiting this part was, as Chris said, like he's he's seen the pilot. Like yeah. it's it's a no brainer, and it's. So exciting that people are going to see this soon and some people already have and recognized how good mm. you are in the role. It's also interesting then, to hear you say that because it's like, I think that, I mean, we would talk about Briar Patch if Andy wasn't making it. Like if we saw that coming up, it yeah. would, it's very much in our wheelhouse. Mm. And when you see movies or shows like this, I think you're like, man, I bet that actor is just like, fuck yeah, I finally get to play a guy like this. Like, Oh, I, I feel like I had that reaction to getting the opportunity, yeah, he, for sure. He, but I think that there's a difference between that excitement before you're on the day and then you're doing like, I gotta it. actually do it. And then you're, you know, you've got a lot of self-doubt creeping in and it's, you know, something you've never done before. And really going into this last weekend with the, the film festival there in Toronto, until I saw what some of those folks were feeling about it after they came out, I honestly did not know, uh, even though I fully and wholeheartedly trust Andy, you know, there was still a little part of me that, that was uncertain. Mm-hmm. And, 
And so, look, as long as people are buying it, that's all I want he- if for the whole show because it's we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and so I'll just heap a little bit more praise real quick. This is you know, unbelievable flex for Andy here. Again, I again, was turn it back on him. <laughs> going back to the cogs and the machine, uh, you know, metaphor. It, it, another metaphor is we are a, a team, you know, and it is a I team. I used to think that too. Just <laughs> like, no, no, yeah, no, no, it, it is true. You just got, you might be on the outs, you know, like, We're on uh, hiatus. like, uh, T.O. and, uh, Garcia, you know what I mean? Back in the old wow. days, <laughs> you just shit. never know. You just I think we're like the Detmer brothers, know. honestly, but please go on. My point is that Andy has been our quarterback throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Yikes. Chris is seven. There it is. I said it, and yeah. I'm not taking it back. That's Maybe nice. we can get producer Kai to drop some Friday Night Lights music I, right when he says I, that. He has yeah. dropped some bombs in me. Yeah. He's dropped some bombs. I, I, I will... Last bit of blowing smoke up your ass, which is deserved. Uh, which is, this was... And people who have read the book knew this, and people who have read the book who have been commenting on the internet or tweeting at me, once they found out it was you, were psyched. I, I was most concerned about casting this part. We had Rosario and then and then other supporting roles. We had some thoughts and things started to fall into place. I had no idea how we were going to cast this part because the part requires, and again, I can't wait for people to see it. It requires someone who can be charismatic and funny and physical and, dare I say it, even a little sexy and scary. And all of it. the galaxy, you know, the, all of these different things all at once. And I was like, they don't make actors like that anymore. Mm. It's not a contemporary, it's not, all of those things are not in the contemporary actor's guide. So when... Time to change the recipe at the old actor making. I'm serious. <laughs> but, but then when, you know, and you were so gracious to come in for an audition and we did this audition and like you had the part like on your fourth line, but you seemed very unhappy to be there. And I was like, there's no question this guy's going to do the part, but I think he hates me. And I think he might be tough. We've never, I've never told you the story. And I was like, I, I think maybe he's... Is he a mean guy? I wasn't sure. And only later did I realize you're very vulnerable doing this stuff, you mm. know, and you weren't sure how it was coming across. Mm. I mean, I, I assume that's what it was. Yeah, because I definitely was not in that headspace. Because then we had coffee and I was like, oh, this guy's great. And then you told me that you were a Cowboys fan and I was like, get me a backup choice. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think I can either, I don't think I can pull condone the, this. Pull the ejector seat. <laughs> or commit to this for the rest we, of my life. We, I go in I, and we read a couple of scenes together. And then they, they say, Andy'd like to have lunch with you. I said, well, of course. And so we go and meet. And, and not, I mean, a couple of sentences in, we hadn't even gotten into the meat and potatoes of the conversation. Or the meat and potatoes we ordered. It was a <laughs> meat and that, potatoes restaurant. Yeah, we, I don't even think we even ordered. And he says, listen, there's something I got to get out in the open right now. And, uh, and we just need to, you know, have it out there. And, and, and get on with our lives. But I know you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. You were fucking wearing a uniform. <laughs> and you were in full pads for the meeting. And I, I may have had the pants on. but And so then he proceeded to tell me he was an Eagles fan. And, and really, Did you have second thoughts? at that point, I got to tell you, there is not a better icebreaker. Really, is there? Well, uh, I mean, in a professional setting, we did go with we had other, what something else to talk about. Yeah. With our meeting. I mean, that was perfect. Because if we could get along exactly. knowing that, then yeah. anything is possible yeah. creatively. And, it's the best thing about sports is that you cannot know somebody. I know, know somebody. that he and then talk, will have somebody to talk about. A battery at me, right? <laughs> Frozen in a block of ice. Yeah. He'll throw that at me. Right. And I'll go and I'll give him a hug. <laughs> Just as Cowboys and Eagles fans have been doing it for works. decades. Hugging. That's, That's exactly what how we it do. Works. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by The Righteous Gemstones. What happens when the creators of Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals turn their attention to the world of televangelist preachers? Find out on The Righteous Gemstones, airing Sundays on HBO. The new comedy from Danny McBride centers on the Gemstones, a celebrity televangelist family behind a popular megachurch that also happens to be a major money-making enterprise. McBride stars as Jesse Gemstone, the eldest of three grown Gemstone children who sees himself as a maverick in the ministry game. Joining Jesse are his sister Judy, played by Edie Patterson, and brother Kelvin, a pseudo-hipster who always finds a way to get under his brother's skin, played by Adam Devine. John Goodman stars as the family's patriarch, Eli, who finds himself at a point of crisis as he mourns the loss of his wife. He also questions whether the gemstones are still serving a higher power as they aggressively expand 
expand their empire. The Righteous Gemstones is a hilarious and irreverent look at high-living holy rollers whose world of mansions, jets, greed, and corruption belies their virtuous, godly mission. The half-hour comedy airs Sundays at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Should we talk about football? I feel like, in a way, we've only been talking about football. Un- I, I want to. I mean, like, I feel so, like yeah. I have more questions about, like, what you guys... I mean, you're Please, not... Please, let's I, talk... I, well, but, but we want to talk more about that first before sure. football, right? What I want to know for you, Chris, is what surprised you... Like, did you have expectations about what set was like or what we, what it was going to be like going on down here? Well, you know, we've made a lot of video shorts at The Ringer, so I kind of have a pretty yes. good understanding of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah, Chris was like, uh, they turn around in coverage now? Because that's what they did on no, me yesterday no, on the no, set I of no Mindhunter. Uh, I think that the thing that surprised me most was just the look. You know, like the look within when, you, when you're actually in Video Village and you see someone framed up like that, you're in it. It's like, it doesn't matter that it's not on your your 60-inch Samsung or you're, you're not watching it in a movie screen or something like that. Like, that's transporting. And when they have that framed up like that, you're just like, oh, man, like, this is a show. Like, mm. this is happening. And these little, like, the seven takes of this sort of in-between conversation that I'm watching are going to wind up being eight seconds or 12 seconds of the third or fifth or seventh episode or whatever. And that was it. I mean, I think that was, like, the coolest thing about it was, was just seeing the look in process because mm. I think about that stuff so much when I watch movies and I think about like why did they make that decision or God what you know you see a Paul Thomas Anderson movie and you're just like what an incredible composition and it's like that's amazing to be there in that moment when when the director's framing it up and the director of photography's got it and the actor's like is it time is it time like is it go time and there is a little bit of energy there that that almost feels theatrical it's cool yeah, and, and also I think to see when you're on for the first time or visiting a set, like the graciousness and generosity of of everyone supporting each other, and even just for talking about acting, like when we're close in on an actor, and I won't say the names if we were looking at today. Let's say we're close in on Alan today. The Let's other just actors say Jeremy in the scene, Rutter. just say it. It's I'll, okay. I'll admit it. the The other actors in the scene are wedged behind the camera people, delivering lines off camera. Yeah, you know, and or when we've done like their scenes when you've been on the phone with Rosario's character, you know, and you call in, mm-hmm. you know, because you're there for your scene partner and mm-hmm. you're there, and it's. It's small, and I know it's not always some people the don't way do it. it is. I know. By the way, but I appreciate it so much. But that is another thing that makes our outfit special. You know, I do uh, want to say you should take some time later tonight when mm-hmm. we're done with this and spend some time if you haven't already in Zach's tent. It's true. Uh, Zach, our Zach incredibly Keller, yeah. talented yeah. director of photography, who, who in, we are now in week thirteen or something, or. 14 described himself to me the other day as I'm he said this is a quote I am just tin cans and dust now like a goat would eat (laughs) he's full of a man let me tell you his job is hard (laughs) he hits them out of the park all day long and nobody works harder than that dude right there and let me tell you if you want to be amazed by Mm -hmm. what you're seeing on that screen yeah go in there and just hang out for like 20 minutes it's it's really fun man and plus his attitude is so great, and the, the attitude around this whole family is just fantastic. You know, everybody's having a great time, and the vibe is really positive, and I've always found that that's what, you know, yields the best result in the end yeah. anyway. I've been a, a part of a bunch of outfits that are not like that, sure. and the end result is usually not that great, and for good reason. Yeah. And he is one of the key uh, components of our team. That that keeps it running smooth, keeps the vibe light, and uh, and and is just so good at what he does. Well, because you've you've worked on so much different stuff. You've worked on sitcoms. You've worked on weekly, like sort of not procedurals, but you've been on like all this different network stuff, prestige stuff. So it's really it must be really interesting to watch TV evolve and and I don't know I wouldn't don't know if it's fair to say become more cinematic, but it must be interesting to see the differences now, say than ten years ago, mm, fifteen well, I years ago. Certainly think that the the choices have increased yeah. for actors. Yeah. And now you've got, you know, you've got little mini movies mm-hmm. as a season. Yeah. I did want to say, services, since we have you on the mic, and I don't know how much we've talked about this, but it's been very gratifying to see. I don't know if you know this, Jay, because Jay is extremely not online, but a character that you played recently, Stan Rizzo, is quite popular in the fan base of Mad Men. And there were a lot of questions that I would see people tweeting at me, like, protect the legacy, protect the legacy of Stan. And we, when, when, the tra- when the trailer dropped, someone tweeted, and I was very proud of this, I sent it to you, 
the legacy of Stan Rizzo is in good hands with you, Andy Greenwald, because <laughs> they, they put a picture, like four stills of your behavior in the pilot, or in the trailer. And so, Do our, they think that we're going to be continuing the Stan Rizzo character? Yeah, well, first of all, they really, really, really want you to have a beard. Right. The beard is a big deal. So just that. The beard's not a problem. Itself. I think that in the world of Twitter, referring to you by a beloved character is really saying your legacy. Mm. But that, that, I'll take that. That's a popular character. Are you, are you aware of that? I probably am not, but I certainly appreciate all of the love because there's been a lot of it. Without that love, I don't think that character ever would have grown to what he became. Right, because it was a guest. Yeah, that's started one of, the, that's out one as of that. those roles that like got bigger and bigger as as it kind of went on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was pretty. Uh, you know, I had been on kind of a upward swing for the last year or so before that happened. After having a little bit of a slump, mm-hmm. and that kind of like you know pulled me up to, to work with some really talented people and which I've always found only ups your game, only makes you better. And and no matter what it is you do in your life, you know, and that gig certainly helped to set the precedent for me on many different levels. Cause everybody's throwing a hundred and myself at the time, I was just very humbled to even have the opportunity to just be there, you know? And, uh, and then of course it ended up turning into this, this great thing for me and, you know, was a life changing career changing situation that I never saw coming, but I'm certainly very grateful. I, I don't want to blow up your spot here, but there's something you told me about it that I feel like I would love if you would share with us on the microphone, which was that on your, f- this might be apocryphal, but this is what you told me on your first day on the Mad Men set, you predicted what would happen with this character. You predicted the end game of this character, which wasn't well received. <laughs> oh, Immediately, just off of your first few scenes, you yeah. knew yeah, well, who he was yeah, going to end up I, with. I, yeah, I, don't, I mean, yes, that is true, <laughs> as it turns out. But I feel like, in all fairness, at the time, there is no way that anybody could have ever anticipated that that was what was going to happen. I just was purely looking at the dynamic between the two characters. This is is Stan and Peggy. Uh, Yes, between Stan and Peggy and seeing how using my knowledge of history of the, uh, you know, television (laughs) and how two characters that usually start out as polar opposites inevitably end up coming together. Just just like Jay and Chris at the end of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't even got into the football part yet. It's coming. And so, I mean, yeah, I I will say this, and and I know Matt wouldn't care if I shared this with you guys. He he listens. It was my first day of, of work on Mad Men and I was terrified to say the least and continued to be terrified really for the, you know, duration of my time on the show. But especially in those first few episodes, I was extremely terrified and I knew that I was working with a lot of people that, you know, were at the top of their game and I didn't necessarily consider myself to be at the top of my game. But I was, you know, was trying to make the most of it. So my first day of work, my first scene, Matt would always come down when uh, characters would be shooting their new characters would be shooting their first scenes, and uh, I thought that was really cool. You know, it, it he didn't make it feel like he was there to make sure you were getting it right or anything just like, like see that. If you had questions or anything yeah, like that. I mean, he was just you know he was just there for you. But so, uh, you know, we're about to shoot, we're about to rehearse this first scene and leading into the scene. Now, now, now you should know for those fans out there, you, when you're a guest actor on a show like that, that holds secrecy in the highest order, they only give you the scenes that you're doing for that episode. They don't, you don't, you're not privy to like all of the other shit going on and you know, the dynamics between all the other characters. Now, can I, just, I don't mean to interrupt, but on set, are people like, yeah, and by the way, like in three episodes from now, this happens? Like, is there internal dialogue about it? No, and you know, what's interesting about that is that, <laughs> no, because even the series regulars on that show only knew okay. as far as the episode they were shooting. Okay. With the exception of maybe John Hamm. 
who probably knew what the end game was at the beginning of every season. Everybody else was finding it out as we went week by week. Okay. I pull Matt aside. We're about to rehearse this, my first scene, my first day of work, and I pull him aside. He's there. He comes up to me. He's very excited for me. He's very nice, very loving. And I say, hey, you know, I've just, um, I've, got a, I've got a few questions uh, about this, if you don't mind. And uh, he looks at me and he says, really? <laughs> uh, he says, really? You shouldn't. <laughs> And because my writing's so good, or because no, no, because well, I really don't know what to think. Yeah. I think uh, the the show was such a juggernaut at the time when I came on, but I had never seen it, and so oh. I don't know if maybe some of it had to do with uh, you know if I'd seen the show, maybe I'd be a little bit more up to speed on right. what was going on or whatever. It's about advertising, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and or the other possibility, which is incredibly likely, is that I am just very slow on the uptake. Okay, and that there were some obvious things there that I just wasn't picking up on. Okay. Nevertheless, it made me feel even more terrified <laughs> because now I'm feeling like, oh shit. Well, okay. You know, I had these questions. I thought they were legitimate questions, but I don't know. Maybe they weren't. And but. We went on and did our thing, and that was fine. I said to him, right after he said, you shouldn't have any questions, I said, well, the first thing is, obviously, these two end up together, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and he looked <laughs> a, at me. flex. <laughs> he looked at me with, the. Well, first of all, the thing I realized is you never want to start a sentence with obviously. obviously yeah. Right? And then the other thing was he looked at me with a look of just utter disgust. And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, all right. I was off. I I've, I've figured that's where this was going. And I figured it would be happening within a couple episodes. Little did I know it would be, you know, four and a half years yeah. before that would happen. Three and a half logging, years yeah. or whatever it was. But in his defense... And he has told me as much, and I believe him, that at the time, that was not the plan. Okay. And that it just became the plan over time for whatever reason. And that was the way it worked out. But but when I called him on that in the beginning, that he was being sincere when he said that that was not the plan. And he was being sincere with his disgust, too. <laughs> I really sincerely believe that because, you know, in the beginning, I was a, an asshole on the show. Stan, Stan, was, Stan yeah. was an asshole. Yeah. And this misogynistic jockey dickhead, you know, right. beefcake type guy. And uh kind of a typical never... Cowboys fan kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> you could never imagine. By He's the like, way, four he, seats for my tough book. <laughs> he was originally supposed to be from like New Jersey, Stan Rizzo. Oh, really? And then after I got the the gig and and Matt learned that I was from Dallas, he he almost had him change it to to be in Dallas. Would that have corresponded with Stallback? Oh God, I hope. That would have been fantastic <laughs> somehow if they could have been a correlation. I don't think he was taking into consideration my football obsession, sure. but he was just taking into consideration my hometown, which was kind of nice. Isn't he a Giant? Is he a Giants fan? Does he is is he a football fan? Uh, well, he was really brought up in L.A., oh, so okay. uh, I'm not. I don't think he really gives a shit about football. Okay. To be honest, I LA, guess LA Chargers. I'm yeah, sure, I would say he's, if he's a fan, he's a fan of SC because I know he went to SC. <laughs> okay, big Trojans guy. Um, what else do we want to talk about, man? I mean, I know what you guys want There's to talk about. There's only one there... thing left, really, isn't there? I think so. I mean... How are you yeah. feeling about this, like, winding down? Oh, it's very... It's bittersweet. I mean, it's a There's little... a real summer camp vibe here. It, it's been interesting. I mean, everyone... People have, people have done this before, and I have not. And people, I think, knew the road ahead in a way that I didn't know. And it's that same thing where, like, if you go on a car ride to a place you've never been, it takes forever. And then when you come back, it takes 15 minutes. I think people like Zach, we were talking about, told me at the beginning, he's done full seasons of TV before. Uh -huh. He was the DP on the great Hulu show, The Act. And he was the DP on uh, Unabomber show a couple of years before. Oh, yeah. And he was basically like, on day 35, the crew is going to bottom out. You know, on day whatever. Like, he just knows 
what's ahead. And so he was pacing himself. I remember away. you you telling me you were like, I can't believe I like wrote all these night shoots or I can't. Oh, believe- I made many mistakes. <laughs> I told I can't him. Believe like there's I, an eight hour scene in a like a you know like in the we're desert. going to the desert. Yeah. Tomorrow, Season buddy. two is going to be really bright. It's going to be bright yeah. breakfast scenes <laughs> in a room on stage. I was just sitting with Zach and he just had this like ten thousand yard stare, you know. And I was just like, never work with the rookie showrunner. That was your mistake. But but just watching like you do get through it and you learn and uh-huh. you adapt and you find levels that you didn't know you had. And so all of a sudden. It does feel like a minute ago we were still in the middle of this big block of five and six, these big episodes that were feeling like impossible. And Jay had to do some outrageous things that he was incredible in, and I can't wait for people to see. But they were very that demanding. I was terrified of doing on a daily basis. Uh, but he did. And it was, you know, and that was sort of on everyone's mind as the hard part. And all of a sudden we were through it. And then we just weren't just through it. We were done seven and eight. And now we're, you know, we'll be done nine next week and on to the finale. And it just goes. And so I'm just trying to be present and enjoy it. And it does feel like there is a little summer camp vibe, like people are feeling the end of it. You Uh, know what I remember? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. I was just going to say real quick, it it just came back to me, this memory of my first day, which was us shooting that scene from the second episode where we're walking down the street. Your first scene on the series. Yeah. Yeah. And working with Steven, our director, for episode two and three. Yeah. And, and, ten. and 10 and me, you know, wondering about this guy was, was still grounded, you know, or not. And I was telling him how I felt a little uncertain about it and that I just wanted to give him the A-OK to at any time without hesitation, come in and remind me, Hey, you need to bring Mm -hmm. it down a little bit, or you need to pump it up a little bit or whatever the case may be. And I just basically let my guard down for a moment. We were just a few of us in the tent and I know you were in there and he said, Oh, you're, you're a little uncertain about that. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got a little fear. And he said, Oh, okay. Cause I'm fully confident. (laughs) <laughs> you did you remember that yeah, I do remember that and and I remember in that moment fully confident in you or just like like it, the whole thing yeah you know yeah. and 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 that overwhelming sense like that bravado in that moment just really pumped me up man that's awesome because it was also worth noting that two or three days before we had had the cast uh, dinner and uh, he had arrived and he's our producing director he's here all season and uh, you mistook him for a, a PA <laughs> Because he's very young looking. Oh my god! Cat did, did it too. So so it's amazing that Jay is now retconning the story. It's like this man, this this Roger Staubach like figure who built my confidence. Oh man! So that's beautiful. But it's it's true, and I and I and I'll just say this like because I don't have the right perspective because it's the day after this we wrap. I'm going to be an edit. Through my Christmas, point is, thank God, other people have confidence. We have confidence. <laughs> For me, it goes on, and then we're going to be seeing each other do press and stuff, which I can't wait to do in January when the show premieres. But I can't wait for you to do press either. But it's going to be amazing. <laughs> it's going to be so fun. But I just mean to see oh, my pals. Chris is going to be doing a podcast from the press bay of our press settings. He's going to be totally just yeah. busting balls the whole time. Yeah. I welcome that. I love that. Just I'll, I'll say that, you know, this is one of the things that I'm really proud of about the show and I'm excited about is that it is an anthology show. So some of these characters will not be back. Not just be, That's not a testament to their fate. It's just that we're going to be telling a different story mm-hmm. uh, if we are so lucky to get another season. And so I'm really excited about what that's doing for the story because we're leaving it all out on the field, so to speak. And sure. we get to give these characters full arcs and it's these actors like full Jason opportunities. Play, playing with a lacerated kidney or whatever. Well, though he came, <laughs> he, came, he came back, I believe. Yes. So in the later season, <laughs> uh, which may be something we should look to. But <laughs> just, just that Rosario was talking about this a lot in Toronto, just that it is kind of emotional because this is the full story for these people mm-hmm. for the most part. And the fact that and I felt this when I was writing the finale, like, oh, I won't get to write funny Jake Spivey lines anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it better, I think, but it does make it a little bittersweet. Jake, do you watch a lot of stuff while you're shooting? Like, do you watch TV? Do you watch movies? Do you like, do you try to turn it off and just like stick to sports and not stick to sports, but it's like, do you watch, like, do you just like watch Sports Center and just try to unplug from it? You know, unfortunately for me, unless. There's an empty part of the year sports-wise for me because for me, it's all about golf and football. 
You like golf too? Yeah. I Obsessive like golf, golf and football fan. Uh, you know, uh, I think you guys should run from this point. I've I've had enough egos. I'm still, I'm still, you know, my allegiance is there uh, with baseball and the Rangers and the Dodgers. I can't really say the Rangers and the Dodgers. A I'm lot the of Rangers. Fans my, also have a second. Team. I raise my boys to be Dodger fans because they're all from LA. So, uh, but uh, in basketball, it's certainly the Lakers. But not the Mavs. No. No, not the Mavs. The Mavs were competing with St. Mary's Girls School when I was okay. in da- living in yeah. Dallas. So, you know, for me, football and golf is what it's all about. And so if I'm not in that season, I am watching usually shows about uh, subsistence livers in the wilderness. Reality shows? Or? have to hunt yeah. for their food. And you know, make their own way in the wilderness. That's what's m- been most entertaining like for me. Stuff or more like no. these five people we stranded. No, and we gave like them yeah, like, a like and not not Alaskan bush people because that's weird. But uh, no, more like uh, the last Alaskans or uh, the uh, Sub Zero living or what's Jay's it called? A gardener. Life below zero. Jay's, That's what it's Jay's called. a man of the earth. Jay loves to garden. Well, there's a, yeah. there's a somewhat of a jump from gardening to Alaska. It's how it starts. Alaska, Alaska. It's a I'm a big slope. Survivor fan. I do love Survivor. I love Survivor. And, uh, yeah. Are you I'm, excited I'm, for the, not 39, but for 40 when all the, all the champs? If that happens, it would be over the moon. To me, the best season is still season 20, which is the first heroes versus villains. It was yeah. just the best. And, uh, it's never been as good. I seriously. Uh, but yeah, and, and and you know, I got a couple of little like gold mining shows that I like. But other than that, yeah, I really don't give a shit about anything. Okay. And um, I did. Maybe what did I, I found just, a new <laughs> What did I just watch? Uh, I did just try and watch some episodes. Oh, I just started to get into this show, Game of Thrones, <laughs> and I'm um, I'm on episode three of season one. No okay. spoilers. You got it. You got it. Have, uh, have you avoided what happens in Game of Thrones throughout the last six years? Yeah, I don't pay attention. Let us tell that. you. And I still not seen Breaking four. Bad. I want to see that. Yeah. And also, I've still not seen the first three and a half seasons of Mad Men. I was going to ask you about was, that. Did you watch uh, the ones that you were on? Yes, yes. I okay. watched. Of course, I watched from the time <laughs> I was on. Uh, but yeah, there used to be a little fun. Uh, running gag with some of my friends over there. How I didn't know what happened in yeah, seasons one through four. No did they just try? Did they ever try to prank you and talk about things they had done in the early seasons to see if you would did believe they? it? I don't know. They might it seemed have. like kind of a I don't cranky, any cranky set moments like that. But they definitely used to bust my balls about it because they expected me to, you know, do my research. So I think it's time to unleash the dragons here because. Now so, I want to know who his favorite golfer is, but yeah, we should probably talk well, about football. Because let's talk. No, wait. Let's talk golf. That's a great segue okay, into golf. I'm, I'm going to go I mean, into football. <laughs> Are you really? So I, I might. <laughs> uh, he, he, I just want to set the, the scene here because now everybody's friends. Everybody's palling around here. Everybody's drinking sodas. But a week or two ago, I grabbed Jay and he made a very brief appearance on the show and then got pulled in by, by Paul, the PA, who introduced himself yeah. to Chris and said, I think I was on the show the other week. <laughs> and uh, so then I went around the corner to talk to you about important things like Katie Couric's Grub Street diet. Yeah, right. Not realizing that Jay had quickly finished his scene and run out onto the lawn because he had so many sick burns <laughs> saved up. He through his scene. To to, he was so teed up and I denied him the opportunity to do this You're, and now I mean I'm basically I flew here so that you could you could tee off because I was talking a lot of shit about Zeke oh I don't think you were talking contract shit. length I think you were doing what you most people would should do and I was so focused on a variety of different things in my life including just the Eagles that I did not hear about this Kellen Moore thing and so for watch listeners who are still with us on this podcast <laughs> Kellen Moore is a young wonderkin Former backup quarterback, did not seem a lot of NFL time, but used to play at Boise State and has brought concepts from Boise State and from college football and from the spread to the Cowboys. Now, they did play the Giants on Sunday, and the Giants are utter dog shit, but the Cowboys look fucking incredible. 
He's just smiling. I'm, I'm just. He won't walk into listen, it. I I'm was enjoying this because, and I want the universe to know. The universe has given me great gifts and constantly just gives me a little needling. For example, having my show accepted into the Toronto Film Festival, international, and then, yeah. international film festival, and on my flight there for this grand premiere, turning. <laughs> To another Jason oh, yeah. Rowe and seeing Toronto Raptors star Pascal Siakam yeah. sitting on the same plane, reminding me just by his mere presence that his team had dispatched the Sixers in the most vicious way possible. Which is a game I still haven't seen. And then on the way home, wonderful weekend, had such a great time, so proud and excited about the show. And I have a stopover in Dallas, Texas, <laughs> where the only food option available to me at nine in the morning was Cowboy Country Grill, <laughs> where every dish, every dish is named after like Moose Johnson or something. It's like the Leon Lett Eggs Benedict. It's disgusting. And I send, a, I take a picture of it and I send it to this man right here. And he's just like, you should eat there. It's delicious. <laughs> and, but all around me. I bet their these, chicken fried steak was amazing. Are, are all these, you know. Perfectly kind people, mm-hmm. lovely accents. That's how it is at Cowboys Stadium, too. Man. Literally saying two distinct conversations in which the words 18 and 0 were said out loud <laughs> with straight faces. Now, that, that is absolute blasphemy. So I just want you to and know I where you're going to accept are at. that, nor do I condone it, nor would I encourage it, and I reject it. So let me ask you this Which NFC East team do you hate the most? Oh, this is big. We've talked about this on set. So. It is it is a coin flip for me these days. It was the Giants for a long time. I will say that the, it went back and forth for a long time, certainly through the uh, late 90s, early aughts. It was Philly mm-hmm. and the McNabb area, era. I will say that my lasting impression of McNabb was him doing the funky chicken uh, air guitar uh, boogie into uh, Cowboys Stadium for a playoff game in which I believe you guys took a goose egg, or maybe he, that was the week before in the last game of the he, season. He I can't remember. He sent me this gif. He's texted me this gif, and each time I report him to HR. <laughs> Either way, the Cowboys won that game, and I love that as the, the departing image of your beloved... Donovan McNabb, who you booed when he was drafted. We booed Wentz on Sunday, and then he, we put up 33 unanswered points. So, was, I, and, and listen, it's tough as, love, as, while we're showering false praise on one another's teams, I will contribute <laughs> and say that that was some game on Sunday. Yeah. Listen, I had some Redskin fans that I was all ready to hail to the Redskins, boy, and then that happened. You know, I, if there's anything that scares me about him, it's DJ. Yeah, it's not yes. Wentz. I can assure you that. <laughs> I am thrilled to see what Josh McCown is going to do with the team. <laughs> uh, and I think that you have a lot of other pieces that will help him out. And as far as my Cowboys go, I would pump the brakes on any, uh, you know, assumptions, any Super Bowl hopes. I would remind my cowboy brothers and sisters out there to remember the past and know that uh, as much as I hate to say it, there is an element of truth in Stephen A. Smith's claiming that the Cowboys are an accident waiting to happen. This because is getting into like an Oh Brother, Where Art Thou speech like is. on the radio now. I, you know, <laughs> listen, you get me started, I'm going to go. But uh, You notice that his microphone cover is Eagle, this Kelly Green. <laughs> A Kelly Green I microphone. It. I don't see that. I see blue or silver. But I will tell you that uh, I am hopeful. I definitely, they gave us a lot to be excited about, and it's going to be a great season, and I cannot wait till... What week is it that uh, we have week this Week seven, I believe, mm-hmm. I, when I, the Cowboys and Eagles play. I, I want everyone to, listening to know that when the schedules came out and we had our shooting schedule, I looked and prayed... That it wasn't... That it was after still, we wrapped. Yeah. Because we start, I think it was like the the season started last year. The Eagles had the first game. It was Eagles yep, Falcons on the Thursday night. We should gather and it was in a, we shot, a neutral site in Koreatown. Jay, Jay, Jay and I went out to dinner that night That's to watch right. the game and talk about the show or whatever and have some enchiladas and green chili. Yep. And as the game started to go, because it started pretty poorly, and I think yeah. they ended up winning the game, right? Yep. But they won it later after we yep. had broken up. 
And I was but just it sort of looked bad in the beginning. Just gritting my teeth. A lot like this week. Well, you were sipping sipping a margarita. Just I was gritting so my teeth, being like, I have to hold this together. Because <laughs> I'm not a good sports fan. I'm a very emotional and weak sports fan. Yeah. Oh, and I was like, great. I just gotta act like this doesn't matter. I'm just out with a pal. You're the most yeah. neurotic sports fan I know. I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm really bad at being a sports fan. I love it. I don't want to keep you guys any longer. I feel like we got what we I needed. feel like we need Kat to come on and be like, Kat. how do you feel about this? Any any topics we didn't discuss? Come on over. Come on over, Kat. Uh, and just, you oh, know, Jesus. Jay, Can mom, we cut his time. mic off? This is going to be great. This is just this is just two groups of old friends just and chatting. so Jay showed me, like, he had a small, like, trailer for this with Anderson Pack on it. Yeah, that was the that was the trailer they showed for advertising upfronts. So. That was the one that Andy sh- told me not to show to anybody, Kat. <laughs> Oops. But I watched it and I go, wow, that was fucking awesome. This is like the favorite thing I've ever seen Jay in. And then watching him on set, there's like a freedom to the work that he's doing now that is like really, I don't know if it's the accent or the boisterousness, but it's really good. Or, the, or, you know, before he gets into character, Jay elicits kind of like a low throaty mating call, like some sort of like Texas Texan thrush to get the voice up, which we all very much enjoy Video Village. So I wonder if that sort of casts a spell. That's the sound of an armadillo mating. Is it? Yes. But, and you guys, we're catching you now. Like, you guys have a big scene yeah. tomorrow. We That's won't, right. We won't say anything else, Crazy but this stuff, is the first time you got a big scene, right? On, yeah. tomorrow. This will be the first time I've ever acted with Jack. That's right. Not even, like, not high school plays or anything? No, no. nothing. We did sing the national anthem together at our high school graduation. Yes. At the Hollywood Bowl, by the way. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, was where our commencement was. Uh, Nancy Cartwright gave our... That's right. Uh, but the voice of Bart Simpson was our commencement speaker <laughs> yes. at the Hollywood Bowl. Wow. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty special. That yeah. is a very L.A. story. Oh, man. Yeah. Not to mention, I graduated with honors having attended two days in the second semester. Because you were working? No. No. Just you were not just working. because I was not at school. I just want to, as we wrap up this podcast, I just wanted you guys to take a moment to think about how much you disappointed Nancy Cartwright. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, a damn shame. Hey, it, listen. She gave a great speech. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She turned that, that podium motivated. around and faced us. She did. Nice. Yeah. First thing she said was, hey, dude. And Bart's voice. Never went nuts. And then went on about it. On that note, what a pleasure. This has been what a thrill. A joy. Thanks to both you guys for joining us. I really feel like we've got some more football business Uh, to attend to. We immediately need to start talking about golf. On another day, we'll do it. And I'd love to talk golf. All right. Jay Ferguson, thank you so much, Greenwald. So happy when 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 Cat, thank you so much. We'll wrap it up there. Today's episode of The Watch is brought to you by The Righteous Gemstones. Don't miss The Righteous Gemstones on Sundays on HBO. From the team behind Eastbound and Down and Vice Principals comes the story of a popular megachurch slash money-making enterprise starring Danny McBride as a bad boy preacher, Jesse Gemstone, John Goodman as the family patriarch, Eli, and Adam Devine and Edie Patterson as the younger Gemstone siblings. The Righteous Gemstones airs Sunday at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Today's episode of The Watch was brought to you by VitaCup, infused with essential vitamins and superfoods to power your body and mind. VitaCup gourmet coffees and teas are a reimagining of your daily rituals. Each blend is dietitian formulated with ingredients to boost energy, metabolism, mood, and more. And because VitaCup has a taste-first approach, each blend tastes delicious, even better than your normal coffee and tea. I love the Genius Blend coffee. I highly recommend that. It's a lovely coffee. And you just automatically, you just get that jolt where you feel like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to start my day. Use code WATCH at vitacup.com to save 30% on your first order or find Vitacup at Target, Walmart, and Sprouts.